Galatians uh, chapter 4, and you'll hear in it this, this contrast between uh, slavery and sonship. And what Paul's talking about, we've said before, is Galatians speaks into a, uh, a legalism idea of we're slaves to, to these rules that we feel like we have to follow in order to gain some acceptance uh, or approval from God. But instead, in his son, uh, in Jesus, he treats us, those who would call upon Jesus, he uh, treats as his sons already having approval and acceptance. Uh, and so as he reminds uh, the Christians in Galatia of this freedom, you can also hear that there's this disconnect that somehow they seem to be wanting to run away from that freedom. So here, uh, Galatians chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 1, uh, hear the word of God. And I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to become once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. No, it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn me or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of uh, and uh, for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. The son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. 
She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We pray that it would among us. In Galatians 4, as we read through this whole passage, what you hear is Paul trying to convince the Christians there that they are free. He's reminding them, but convincing them uh, that they are free even from the law, even from the biblical law of Moses given by God. That's seen as a way of approval or acceptance to God, they don't need it. They're already approved and accepted and have status and honor with God because of what Christ has done. So now they're free. You kind of not really expect that someone needs to spend so much time encouraging someone to realize that they're free or that, that being free, we would, that someone would so quickly give that up or run into a place of, of hiding or, or slavery or, or rules or, or oppression. Uh, but there's a sense in which uh, that's what you see. And if it makes sense also in certain ways, if you've just uh, known plenty of Christians or just other friends who, uh, who, offer, who, who obsess over rules, over finding the right way to do whichever different thing that it is. Uh, they, have, they know just, just this is the way that it's supposed to be. If you follow these things, this is how it'll work out well for you. And, and as soon as you talk with them, they want to spread those rules with you, whether that's rules of morality or spirituality or theology. Uh, so quickly we can gravitate to here's the way that, that it's going to work okay. But Paul's convincing us of freedom. And throughout the passage, uh, what he does is he uses this, this idea of sons. Uh, the sons are, are free. They have a privileged place within the family. They're not uh, under uh, the rule and, and obligation. Uh, using this concept of children uh, with their parents, speaking of the father, in the passage you have these allegorical references to mother, um, and all the way through to convey the truth of the gospel, uh, freedom. You look at that as, as freedom from parents. Because most people would say you get to college, like one of the best parts about college is you're, you're free from your parents. You, you can call your parents. You can go back home and visit. You can still love mom and dad. But while you're up here, no one's looking over your shoulder. They're, I know they're still like following your, your Facebook and seeing what you post on there. But you don't have to post the stuff on there that you don't want them to see. And they don't know. They're not there to see if you're actually going to classes, uh, when you're doing your homework, how well you're doing their homework. Uh, they're not there to tell you what time you need to get up in the morning. 
if you have classes, uh, what time you go to bed, uh, whose bed you end up going to, who you spend time with, who you hang out with, what you're supposed to believe, what you do on Sunday morning. They, they're, they're not there to oversee all those things. Um, and there's a ton of freedom. And there's a really good side of that. There's, there's plenty of abuse that goes along with that. It's, it can be difficult to learn how to be free and use that freedom uh, well. But there's also this beautiful thing of like, in that freedom, you get to, you get to become an adult. You get to figure yourself out. You get to figure out your desires, what you find yourself doing, what you want to do, that you learn responsibility because no one else is doing your laundry for you. No one else is picking up the dishes unless you have like really nice roommates who, just a little tip, they're probably getting bitter with you. Um, no, no one's there encourage, teaching you the stuff that the teacher didn't teach well enough. You're, you're just pushed to learn it on your own or get other people or find a tutor so you can do it. You're learning that responsibility. You're coming, you're figuring out this freedom and what to, what to do with it. But I, I want to consider kind of a different aspect of it. You, you love your freedom. You never want to let it go. Um, why don't you look at a different side of it and just kind of ask this question. How free from your parents are you really? Uh, how, how free are you read, really when you consider that? You're off at college. No one's looking over you or usually not very successfully define those rules. But, but if you're still just grasping for finding your parents' approval, if part of what controls what you do and what choices you make is just hoping that mom, that you'll be able to tell mom and dad you got this grade or, or this thing worked out and, and you have, their, their approval is great. But, it, but if that's what's driving how you go about what you do, are, are, you, really, are you really free? Plenty of times it's the other side, right? Uh, plenty of folks who come to Florida State or just once you find you're here at Florida State, I, I'm not stuck under mom and dad's rules or the things that they pushed on me or that I felt I just had to do. Uh, but, but if part of what you're doing is just is, is, is running the opposite way from them because you don't want to do what they kept pushing on you or because you finally have the chance to shove something in their face, face or just because you don't want to end up being like them. And so you're taking all the opposite choices. Are you really free? Is that part of what's controlling you as you go? Galatians 4 speaks to us of a freedom, of a deeper freedom. And a beautiful freedom that leads out into our actions and how uh, we can live. A freedom that comes from relationship with God. Comes because of a relationship with God. And knowing approval and acceptance that is already there. That has been secured uh, through Jesus. So that we get to live out of that freedom from that relationship. So if you kind of tracked along some of the themes as you just heard the passage read, you, you started off hearing about Father. Started off hearing about God as our Father. And near the end of the passage, we're told about uh, the Jerusalem above who is free, who is our mother. And I would say in this middle section, uh, you kind of hear, it's almost like a, past, a, a, a parental concern. Uh, how are, you, how are you doing? How are you growing up? Is, is there a maturity there? Are you, are you becoming who, who you really are and can be? Or where are you leading? So we're going to track through those three sides. The, the father side, uh, this parental concern side, and then the, the mother side along with the passage. Uh, but first, 
others to consider as we go through that. Do you want to be free? Uh, do, you, do you want to be free, really? And where does that freedom come from? It could lead you to walk forward in that freedom, as the verse following this says. Uh, first, we see uh, a father's redeemed sons. That's how the passage describes it. That's what Paul is trying to convince the Christians of, what uh, the Spirit is convincing uh, Christians of now as we would read as we would read this or as, the, as we hear the gospel to us, let's see in verse 7. You are no longer a slave. It's, it's telling you your identity uh, as you cling to Christ or as you would look to Christ in the gospel. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir, an heir through God. You have honor, you have privilege, you have security and relationship tied up uh, in God. And the idea is even a, uh, a grown and mature and trusted sons with a loving father who's proud of his children. I'm looking around, we're probably more, you know, there's more than 50% ladies over, over, uh, over guys here. And, and to be clear, like this is Paul who just a little bit earlier has said, uh, not only is there neither Jew nor Gentile uh, or slave or free, but there's neither male nor female. And he's speaking within, yeah, a patriarchal culture uh, where where sons had the greatest benefit. And he's applying that intentionally uh, to male and female. So the privileged place within society, the one who, who inherits everything, who has the, the highest place in the family, who, whom the father and the mother's pride just shines upon, uh, that son, that's who all believers, male and female, in the gospel get to have that kind of relationship with God. Uh, one that we would sometimes get jealous of, or that we hope for, or that we long for, or we wonder, is it really there? That that is secured uh, in Jesus. He speaks of a freedom that comes uh, from our Heavenly Father, that comes because of our Heavenly Father and His love. Let me stop for a second, though, and, and just acknowledge, as we approach that, that situation of God as our Father, and we parallel that with earthly fathers and just how we relate to these things uh, to just acknowledge that we all have daddy issues. Uh, and that we have a lot of, of, of daddy issues. And that they impact us in more ways than we would care to admit or acknowledge. And a lot of times in more ways than we would care to know. I love my dad. I think my uh, dad's great. Uh, so many great things for me, taught me uh, good things. I'm confident of my dad's love for me. And I've got tons uh, of dad issues. And you know, Karen can criticize me like, oh, that's kind of like, like your dad. Like, what, what are you saying? Um, and, and I wouldn't, just, just to make that real for a minute, not, not your issues, but, but to say if just some of the slice of students that I've seen in the past, hey, sometimes you have a great relationship with your dad. Or someone else who's been that father figure uh, for you, and that's great. Uh, but, but all those things are weighty, and sometimes it's, it's horrible. And there's a girl who was at FSU years ago, uh, and her dad had died the year before she came to college. Uh, the, way that, the way that's going to last for a long time, and it cuts a lot of what you go about and do. 
Another guy, I remember sitting down and him telling me his story, and it can still fire me up and make me mad, of his dad who abandoned their family uh, several times, and the last time that he did and never came back, his son was there uh, pleading with him to stay, and he told his son, no, you're not worth it. You're not worth me staying here, and walked out. Uh, and I'm, he carries that into every relationship. Um, how, how can you not? when that's been part of your experience. Watch student after student after student, um, some who thought their family background was great and their parents' marriage was wonderful, uh, and some of them find out when they get to college that their parents were just kind of trying to make it through until they were off and at school, and then that relationship falls apart, uh, and their world falls apart. Plenty of them have fell apart earlier on in watching that fighting and seeing, and where do I fall in the mix of this? Uh, and what do my parents think of me as this divorce happens? Watch students who, uh, you know, it comes out that their dad has been having an affair and that that's been going on for years. But now it's uncovered and it just undermines how they thought of everything, what trust they have uh, from their father and where that leads. Uh, another student whose dad had an affair for a long, long time and... They knew about it, but within the family, it was hush-hush. No one's allowed to talk about this. Um, and, and the weight of those things. And you can talk about any different side of it, and that's just a small slice, right, of some of the, some of the stories that are always in my mind as I go through it, and you know what's true for you, and you have some idea of what's true just for your friends and all the people around you on this campus, that we walk around with daddy issues, and they impact a lot of the things that we do. Um, guys that have come to campus that just kind of stay immature and are, you know, womanizing tendencies because that's what they think their dad respects. And that's kind of what they think maybe this is what they're supposed to do. Girls who have always felt the emptiness of that relationship and are looking for approval, whether that's jumping from one relationship to another, Anything that will start to, to fill and whatever that person wants or whether that's staying in a bad relationship that isn't loving and supportive but runs in all the contrary ways but because that person still gives something, still feeds into this need and into this void, right, these things weigh on us. Um, or, or feeling, feeling to stay away from a relationship or, or being having to be in control in that relationship so that it doesn't go this way, or it can't go that way. I can't, I can't let myself get into the same hurt that I've seen. Oh, it just, it's heavy. Uh, and it's there, it's there for one way or another, uh, all the way through for you and all the people uh, around us. Um, and those things easily control us. They don't give us a lot of freedom. They take a lot of freedom away. They, they put us in fear and in slavery of a lot of those things. Uh, they bind us uh, with our fears and our worries ab about that or our needs and emptiness because of it. Uh, but God's love for us does something different. Uh, God's love for us is what a love of the Father is intended to point to, uh, and God doesn't fail in it in any sense, uh, but fully loves and fully provides and gives himself to uh, his children, that God's love for us is something that frees us. That you get to walk around knowing that you're loved, 
that you're approved of, that when you fail and fall down, there is someone smiling upon you and ready to lead you into the next thing, confident of your future, confident for bringing you uh, through it. Uh, Why? Because this is what God's done. God sent his son uh, to redeem those who are under the law. He sent his son, and then the next verse after that or two, he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. That he sent Christ, his son, on our behalf to represent us and stand in our place, to take the consequence of all of our failings, even our failings before God, and be punished for that, and to let his perfect righteousness and obedience stand in our place and represent us. Uh, So that as we would cling to Jesus, as we call out to Jesus, God looks on us as Christ, as his son. We're redeemed. We're brought back to the... Redeemed, uh, adopted, um, known by God, right? Redeemed is the word bind back. It's, God is so far from abandoning us, we're just not caring. We're actually rejecting and removing himself from us. He's so far from that that he runs after us, gives of himself uh, for us, gives his son uh, to buy us back from a place of slavery that we can belong to him. Because he looks at us and says, I want you to be mine. And I will take the cost of what it means to, to, to bring you in as my son, who I delight in who I want to see walk in my ways, who I want to bring all of my blessings on. This is how God is what God does for us. He adopts us as sons. Even when it seemed like there wasn't any connection, felt like we didn't have any, any place there, um, uh, uh, that God cared to draw us into his love, to draw us into his approval, to give us a place of honor, Uh, and his family, and to send his spirit into our hearts that we would know and feel that so the way Christ feels the love of the Father and God's approval and pleasure in him, his spirit's in his people so that we can call out, Father, God's so far distant from me who I feel like I don't know and have rebelled against, and yet the one who loves me and knows me and cares. I, I love, as you look down, what is it, verse, um, verse 9, he says, if, but now that you've come to know God, then he stops and says, or rather to be known by God. Or that you want your dad to know you, to really get you, to understand you, to know what you're going through, just to see the things that you've put out, the things, to see the things that are failing, but know you and love you. This is a, uh, in, a in a biblical sense, this, Uh, knows not just this intellectual abstract, it's relationally he gets you and understands you. And, and, And knowing you doesn't move away from you, but draws you closer to him. It's a love uh, that's freeing, uh, that's intimate, that we get to call him uh, our daddy, our father, in the closeness of a child's uh, relationship in these things, the impact that the gospel uh, makes. So that we're free and then we want to uh, engage with God and, and relate to him. Not because we have to, not because we should, not because we're obligated, not because it's in the law, not because our parents taught us this way, not because we just kind of know it's the right thing and it'll work out better that way, but because we want to. 
Uh, I love my kids. Uh, my kids love to get hugs from me. Thursday nights, I'm always running a little bit late or late for where I think I'm going to like get out. And then I'm like, I've got to rush out. But, but I always come in and I go around like, oh, I've got to go to RUF. And it doesn't matter if someone's in the other room. They're like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, and I get to give every single one of them uh, hugs. And I love giving my kids hugs, but they love getting that hug from me. I'm just gone for a few hours. They love getting that. Daphne loves the pickup hugs. She loves I just grab her and pick her up, maybe spin her around for a little bit. And her face, even if she's not one to, just starts to beam a little bit. Uh, Alice loves just the more hugs that I give her. If she got three hugs and Thomas just got one long hug, like... She knows. She got hugged by her daddy. And Thomas right now, I mean, he just like, he just holds on to me, puts his head down. Sometimes I'll come and be like, Daddy, I want to give you a hug. Uh, they love to get hugs from me, and I love to give them hugs. And this is the freedom that you have with God in Christ. This is why you open the Bible. This is why you go to church uh, to worship him. This is why you sing and why you pray. Not because those are good things and they're good things. Because it feels so good to be hugged by your father who knows all your wrongs but who's promised everything to you and that love is still there. And it's a reminder of his support and the security that you have in that relationship. His promise that isn't going anywhere. And so you're frustrated with the things that happened over the weekend. You're frustrated with the bitterness in your heart. And when you come and you worship and you acknowledge that you're not good enough for God. And you still get to be in his presence and in his love because of his son. Because you're his son. And his inheritance is for you. And you're free. You just get to be free in that relationship to walk forward a loving God and being loved by God because he has done it all for you and his son. And, and so you want to, and sometimes you don't want to, but, you, but, but there's this sense in which in this freedom as you fail and as you figure it out that God is there never leaving or forsaking you. Not because he's just really good, which he is. Because he loves you. Because he has provided for you and covered all of our needs. We still have plenty of daddy issues to face, uh, but not when it comes to our Heavenly Father. And that the love in that relationship gives us some ability and strength to face a lot of the other things. It grounds us in a deeper security where we're not needing just all of that emptiness uh, to be filled or hoping in some relationship or some particular circumstances or just our control to deal with it. It's from relationship with God. It's from, it's because of uh, God as our Father and the fullness of His love through Jesus that we're freed. We're freed from his love because of his love to live boldly and confidently and secure as loved already and needing nothing more, not being desperate. This, this is the beauty of what we have in the gospel, redeemed from being under the rules that try to make it right. And then you hear this parental concern. It's a pastoral concern. Paul speaks to them as brothers, but by the end of it, he's saying, my little children... I'm concerned about you. 
I wish I could change my tone if I was present with you because I'm perplexed. What's, what's going on here? Where's, where's your maturity? You have this freedom of just being able to walk in God's love and the confidence of that, uh, being able to worship him, being able to... And, and instead, what you're doing is like throwing all that away. Um, and you're going again, and instead into this idolatry, trusting the false gods and false set of rules to, to make it all right. Really kind of fascinating here. It's a weird phrase to us. It's elementary principles of the world. Um, but you get what he's talking about. He's talking about false gods, right? So those who are not, uh, not gods, but you still can worship as gods. And that can be the, the idol of the old religions. And that can be just our desires for success and approval and beauty. And any which way you look at it, it rolls into some of the same things. Or, or just rule following and, and righteousness. Um, and and he, what he's doing is saying... Listen, we may have used to follow those, those things, but now God's brought us as his children. He's redeemed us. He's brought us back to belong to him. And now it's like you're going back to those false idols and hoping to get something from them. And what's fascinating to me in this is he says, that's, that's not just the case with the pagan religions, but as you look even to biblical God-revealed truth of Rules that actually reveal God's character and are awesome and beautiful. But as we approach those things as things that get us approval from God, it's just like any other pagan religion. It's just an elementary principle of the world. It's a false god like anything else uh, that can't supply your need. And why would you go back to that when the real thing has been given to you? I get, I get calls from parents sometimes. At your parents. I, I get called from parents sometimes, usually before students are coming. Uh, call goes like this, you know, maybe it's an email or call. I've got a son or a daughter. We're from down here. She's going to be uh, starting at school up there as a freshman, and we'd love her to get plugged into something. And sometimes they talk a little bit more, and there's always this worry. There's always this fear. Like uh, There's always this parental concern because uh, they love their son. They love their daughter. That, that trust is still figuring out how you trust as an adult. Y'all know that tension uh, with your parents, I'm sure. Oh, there's worry. Are they going to go the way they should go? Are they going to walk the way uh, that we're hoping that, that they will? And, and now that still can come from different ways. And sometimes it comes from this, I'm hoping they get there and they'll follow the rules. I'm hoping that they'll do right. And Sometimes in that conversation they kind of get like, hey, you know, I I'm not able to just keep them all right where they should be. Um, don't, don't have that ability. That's not the way God's even leading them. You, you get to take up being free and responsible on your own, but I love to get to be there and speak into that. But I get to hear this parental concern. Sometimes it comes like we want to keep them just in the right way. And that's seen that I usually don't see. They're, they're running pretty far away from it. Uh, but here you see with Paul this, this parental concern, but it's not like you better get it right. He's going, what are you doing trying to like Get it right. What are you doing trying to figure out your approval before God through these things, even if they're good biblical things? When you're the ones who know about Jesus, you know of his son having been given for you, you know that you're his sons already. And so quickly, we're ready to throw that away and say, here's these other things that uh, would build that. Why do we do that? Well, this little expression here, like, they make much of you. 
feels good, uh, good when people make much of you. Paul says that. When you get accolades and compliments from people, it's great. Uh, you feel like you've got friends. You've got admirers. Uh, you've got followers. Uh, you've got people that do more than like your status, but they like you. They like the things that you're doing. And that always feels good. And you know what? Someone who has a set of rules that says, here's the way we're supposed to do what happens when you go along and you kind of follow those rules with them? They make you feel good. Go, yeah, yeah, you're getting there. You're following these rules too. Uh, they're they're, they're going to make much of you. That's what's going on here. Or are there people having come from Jerusalem saying, okay, you've heard about the gospel of Jesus, but you need to know more of the Old Testament, that there's the, the law and there was circumcision that was given, and you've got to follow those things too. And so when, when these Gentiles are, or at least Christians in this church are starting to say, okay, we'll go along with that, they're encouraged, they're complimented, they're, they're, they're made much of. The needy child, the more people that will give me uh, attention, I'll find it some way that I can get it. Here, here's the way it's going to get there. And says, so, but what are they doing? They're shutting you out, and you can make more of them. So this church, these people from Jerusalem are coming and saying, no, you don't have it right. You have to follow all the rules like we do. You're out and, unless you're like us, unless you jump into where we are. They're wanting you to make much of them. They're trying just to get things from you. They're stuck in the same bubble of what's going to fill me, what's going to fill me, and they're drawing you into it. And Paul's like, when you're already loved, why would you just be going back to that? You see, it's concern. It's a concern for their maturity, their growth, not for what God's done for them, uh, not for the real hope of the gospel that's accomplished uh, fully uh, in Christ. But he says, uh, gives this expression, I love that Paul's willing to consider, he, he considers himself uh, like, a, like a woman going through childbirth. And the agony that he feels over them in this state of, of them running to different rules instead, he compares to, to a mother in the anguish of childbirth until what? Until Christ could be formed in you. Until you could identify who you are as connected to who Christ is. And that who Christ is starts to shape how you live and how you act. That you get to approach God boldly. That you get to be rejected by other people and be okay. Uh, that you get to uh, walk in his ways and still know the security of this. Uh, Paul's desire for them is for their good. But there's this tendency where we can... Give up that freedom uh, and lose this maturity of, of following the freedom that God's given. Go from freedom, uh, these redeemed sons, this parental concern in the middle of the passage, and then it kind of turns uh, toward uh, this mother. And there's a long analogy here. Maybe it gets uh, a little complicated, but it's, it's awesome. Here, here's what's going on here. Um, like, like this is the this is the this is the burn, right? Like here they are. These the people that have been talking to them are. Uh, Jews, the people of Israel, saying, you've got to follow what we follow, the, the covenant of God from the Old Testament, and here are the things. And he's saying, listen, you who listen to the law, do you not, do you not read the law? You say you would follow the law? Uh, do, you, do you not listen to it? And he goes, let's go back and see what, the, what Scripture says. 
Let's see how the law talks about these things. If you're going to be under that, you should follow what it says, right? So here are the things that it says. Um, talks about Abraham. He's already been talking about Abraham. So it's a natural thing to follow out of it. Abraham uh, was married to uh, Sarah, but he also, uh, as God given him a promise for the son, uh, uh, he sleeps with his uh, um, maid and has uh, another son, hoping that the promise would go through uh, Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael becomes, uh, the people of Ishmael become somewhat the enemies of the, of the Jews. Uh, Isaac, the promise that's handed down uh, from Isaac uh, to uh, Jacob, uh, to, to Israel, and to God's people. And as Paul turns and says, what do we learn from this? What he's doing is saying, following the law, those who are trying to get you to say, you've got to keep all of these things, they're not who they think they are. They don't have the promise. They're not Israel. They're not Isaac. They're Ishmael. They're Hagar in Arabia. These two mountains representing two covenants. And not just Old Testament and New Testament here, but the Old Testament viewed apart from the New Testament, apart from Christ that it was, that it was pointing to. Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she's in slavery with her, her children. They've missed the message of the law and are still um, stuck in it in that bondage. But, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. But Hagar was a, was a slave and so her son is a, comes into slavery. Um, but Sarah was free and so her son is, is a son of privilege and honor. Um, and Hagar, as Ishmael was uh, con conceived through, just trying to do it themselves. Uh, but, but Isaac was given from God by the promise uh, after, Israel, uh, after Sarah wouldn't have been able naturally to uh, conceive. And he's just given this beauty of the where we get to sit and fall in this is a promise brought into the covenant of God's grace. And that trying to, trying to follow under it is actually a denial uh, of the very thing that's, that's engaged in it. Uh, it gets down uh, to the latter uh, verses there. Um, it says, what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, uh, for the slave of the, son of the, of the slave woman, uh, son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. These people who are troubling you, they're the ones who should be rejected. They're, they're, they're not holding on to Christ. They're not belonging to it. Uh, two, two things here that I want you to see from this. Um, celebrate the freedom that you're given uh, in the promise of the gospel. Um, this blessedness of it that here's uh, rejoice, O barren one. Uh, who, we who, who don't have and don't have the things that we would hope for from how we would hope for them, and yet God gives it, celebrate the freedom and the blessing of belonging to God, um, participating in it. But also this other thing of that you, you've got to fight to retain freedom. See how it says it in here? Um, just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so, so it is now. That as you have freedom 
in the gospel, there's always something wanting to come in and say, no, 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 you still have to do these things. And you have to fight to hold on to that freedom. Listen, you, you know this, because this is your experience. This is, this is whether you've come up in the church or just how you view the church from outside of it. Uh, you, you hear all the list of rules, and you know in any kind of circle of you're in what things you're not allowed to say. What things you're not allowed to do before you get kind of cast out or, or looked at as, as out. And you have to fight to hold on to that the gospel really is true and we cling to it. Um, that we're to retain that, that we're to expect a persecution from legalism that would lead us into bondage, and we're to actually try to get rid of that legalism, that spirit as it's within any of us. We should try to drive out as the gospel through this drives it out, but also those that would promote only that. We don't just let that fester and grow and say, yeah, we, oh, those are good things. I wonder how we can do that too. But no, Jesus is enough oh, that we live out of the freedom of that, that we enjoy even this uh, shared uh, bond and equality with siblings with one another. So we're following free from parents. That, that it's not just being freed by being away from your parents, but freed, how it's talked about here, in relationship because of them. It's a little bit, you can see that when you're, you're at college. You get all this freedom of things that you go do, but part of the reason that you have the freedom to make the choices and do the things that you are doing here is because of your parents or because people that stepped into your life and took that parental type of role, loved you and guided you and supported you or taught you and gave directions. That's teachers, that's coaches, that's step-parents, that's sometimes brothers and sisters and that's mothers and fathers are part of the reason that you're here. Part of the reason that you get to enjoy the freedom that you have. And sometimes even some of your tuition or room or board or different things are taken care of uh, by your parents. That you have this freedom because of them. Even if you still carry a lot of issues along with those relationships. And how much more to realize the freedom that we have because of relationship that we have with God because in Christ you get to have God as your father and he's freed you for freedom Christ has set us free so stand firm therefore in that freedom